Are you a mum looking for some parenting inspiration, tips and advice, stories on the ups and downs we face in our lives as parents, some humour and a little bit of fun? Then you may have just found what you're looking for. Hi and welcome to the Parenting in the Thick of It show. I'm your host Louise Clark, a certified parent coach known to many as your parenting partner. As a mum to three teenagers, you can bet I've probably been there, done that and heard it all. Trust me, there'll be few things that I haven't experienced firsthand. I created this podcast because I just love to help mums like you find ways to navigate life in the thick of it and find a way out of it. Episode 489. You want to support your teen, but they don't want any of it. Today on the show, I have a guest with me, someone who has dedicated the last 18 years of his life to supporting teenagers. Welcome Rajat Soni. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. Hi Louise, thank you so much for inviting me and I'm super, super excited for this podcast today. (laughs) Yeah, so am I. And for those of you listening, I will post all the, um, the links you will need to track Rajat down, because I'm sure you will want to, once you've heard him speak, you'll be chasing him to help you with your teenagers. He is a teen life coach, as I said, with over 18 years of experience in helping teenagers reach their goals, including, and this is the bit you're all waiting for, including how to create harmonious communication between them and their parents. We'll be, we'll be asking you all about that, Rajat. He's also the author of a fabulous book, which I recommend you read, and it's on Amazon, called Unjudge Your Teenager, Nurturing Your Teen to Unleash Their Potential. And he has so much to share with parents, and I'm really excited for you to listen to him on the show with me today. So Rajat, thank you again. I'd love for you to share with the listeners exactly what got you into this work and why you do it. Like what what made you go here? Sure, Louis. So uh, it was quite an unconventional way for me to get into working with uh, teenagers. Uh, So I was someone who was working in the corporate sector And I actually quit the corporate sector to be an executive coach. So where I would have worked with, where I was working, where I started working with CXOs of organizations. So my first two clients were CEO and CFOs of an organization. And while I was coaching one of the CXOs, he said, you know, during the middle of our coaching engagement, he said that today I want to speak to you about my son who's 15 years old. We're not going to talk about work, but you just listen to me today. He really wanted to vent out. And so uh, his son, who was 15, he uh, has uh, Asperger's. So he's, he's, he's basically, he was diagnosed with Asperger's when he was four years old, and now he was 15. So he said that, you know, the child is really struggling from within, but being a teenager now, he doesn't doesn't share, doesn't talk. And anyways, uh, you know, with, with Aspies, they have this thing of, you know, the social, the, they, they have difficulty in making social conversations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Louise, for the first time I saw this, or I saw the father so emotional and he had never been so. 
And towards the end of the conversation, he said, Rajat, can you help? And I was a little, this thing, because A, honestly, then I was hearing about it for the first time. It was not that time my area of expertise. But he said that we have tried all kinds of professional help for him, but he doesn't stick with anyone. He'll go for 10, 15 minutes and he will not stick with anyone. So, uh, you know, seeing him so emotional, I said, okay, give me a day's time. Let me go and do some research. He's like, no, Rajat, uh, you just meet him once, just meet him once. So we met at an outdoor place, at a pizza place, pizza being the comfort food for him. And there the pizza came and the father left and it was me and him sitting across each other. <laughs> and so he was very, very anxious. His shoulders were slouched and uh, he was really very anxious, little shaking in his feet. Uh, so, so literally he was uh, very anxious in front of a stranger basically. And then about 15 minutes, I was the only one talking. And it was something very new for me also, because I have not really interacted with teenagers that way. And then, you know, we started speaking about various areas of our life. So some things clicked, you know, he was, he was, he used to listen to rap and things like that. But then when I asked him about his area of career is what you plan to do in your life further. Luis, he said, my dad wants me to be a doctor. And once I become a doctor, I will leave. Wow. He basically wanted to give up on his life. Mm -hmm. Because the last 15 years, he had experienced so much rejection from his peers, especially he was made, you know, he would land up at the wrong places without any fault of his. Mm -hmm. At home, his mother had literally given up on him because she thought that, you know, there's nothing that can happen. There, were a lot of, there was a lot of conflict between the parents because of that. Mm -hmm. Because they used to say that you are responsible for it, you are responsible for it. So everywhere he was someone who was feeling that I should just give up on my life and I should go. That is something that really hit me really very, very hard. And, you know, I, I'm like, this boy should live like any teenager with their set of confusions, with their set of complexities, but let him live like any other teenager. And then I started my, so I decided that I want to work, that, that we should work together. Uh, I then contacted a very <clears throat> senior ASPE coach uh, in New Mexico, and she was very graceful to coach me on the technical aspects but what was beautiful about me and that me and the and the kid there was that we connected beautifully you know the boy who would not sit for more than 10 15 minutes with anybody else we were together for 90 minutes that day wow and it was like and and i saw my phone and my phone had so many missed calls from the father when i when, when the session closed and he's like where's my son <laughs> i'm like He's where you left him, don't worry. So you're like, wow, you've been talking for so long. And then my journey started. So it was, I think three months down the line was when um, I was able to see some visible changes, but those changes were only visible when I was there. So we had that comfort level where, you know, like we went to a bowling alley, a bowling alley and he did a strike. So, you know, he just put the ball mm -hmm. and he did a strike. And a boy who's so conscious of people around, he was dancing in the middle of the alley. Oh. 
his face was not expressing, his body was expressing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. And then I think I said, you know, and I said to myself, you know, the now it's coming. He's he's going to get there. Going to get there. Then they went for a holiday abroad, and there uh, he had a meltdown. So, um, as you would know, when Aspies have meltdowns, they go really, uh, you know, they would otherwise not express. But when they have a meltdown, he was incessantly crying, and a lot of stuff happened. And he shut down from people literally. He didn't want to speak to anyone. Fortunately, he was coming for his Skype sessions. So again. now the sessions had really converted from an interactive to again one sided where he was listening to me he was he was really listening to me uh again it so two months passed like this he was on his vacation he came back of course he was calmer from the meltdown and everything then he came back to india and he was not meeting me okay he's he's one of the most sincere students i've had so far in my coaching journey and but and he would never cancel a class or postpone a session or anything like that but he was not meeting me okay he postponed it one week two weeks three weeks finally after a month we met and uh, so he came so we again met at a pizza place <laughs> because that's what he enjoys and when he was coming uh, louis a boy who would work on geometric expressions on scripts he came with a natural smile on his face and he said to me rajat i am happy oh and i mean oh if God. i could express it i would just go down on my knees and just say thank you to you know god and i mean that was that was like a breakthrough moment for me and i think he transformed me more than i transformed him <laughs> and my journey with teenagers began uh now he's studying in an ivy league so it's been it's been a long long time he's well settled now he started in an ivy league college now he's well settled he has you know kids and everything so he's really really happy oh how amazing and you don't just work with with kids on the spectrum you work with teenagers all teenagers spectrum or no spectrum yeah yeah i work with all teenagers so about about uh so if, 10 to 15% are the ones who come with labels but the other ones are uh, just about growth and coaching yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what an amazing story and a, an incredible kind of welcome into a uh onto a path onto a journey for you where you I'm quite sure will have as you said i think i grew more than he did or um and we do you know we get it's what a privilege job we're in that we get to grow alongside the clients we work with it's quite remarkable so as a parent of three teenagers i know just how hard it can sometimes be to offer advice to them you know and i know that often as parents we know our teenagers need support but the teenagers don't want any of it they're like i'm i'm okay i don't need help i'm not going to go and see someone and i know that you know you help parents foster the communication and connection skills that they need with their with their kids with their teenagers but what do you recommend to parents who's who who know their kids need support but the kids don't want to take them up on the support or go and see the support so how do you recommend parents get their kids to the likes of yourself to a a teen coach i mean do they is it just cut and dry if the kid doesn't want to go it's never going to work or is there a way 
that parents can move into suggesting, to nudging, to opening an invitation to their child to, to get some support? Sure. So, uh, so as I said, you know, it's various areas of their life we work across. So there are various ways of getting the kids into coaching, uh, especially when the parents are talking. First is that I said, I tell your parents that your, you know, your journey has already started into the world of coaching. So start stepping into their shoes. And then in that conversation, take out the fact that there is somebody who can help you in creating and achieving your goals. So every child has a hope. There is something that is that he wants to talk about. You know, it could be it could be about his friendships. It could be about his career. It could be about any other area. career. Not usually the first thing, except if he's in a 15, 16 year old. But then any area is the hook for him. And that's the hook with which they uh, the parents can try and talk to the child and then they come to me. Otherwise, you know, it's very simple. Just give it a shot. If you don't like it, uh, especially in the virtual world, when it happened the last few months, if you don't like it, you could end the Zoom call. It's okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, give it a 15 minute. Because once the kids connect, once I have a conversation with them, uh, the idea here is that the, that the child should know, that the teenager should know that he is taking, he or she is taking the lead. Mm -hmm because they want to take decisions on their own in their own in mindsets they think that they take the right decisions or you know they have that thing in their mind so giving them the lead is really important so instead of parents telling them to go to a coach they can ask them a few questions and then say that uh, you know ask them a few questions and then ask them let's see how it works for you if it doesn't work for you, it's fine. We're not pushing you into it. So uh, give them the lead. So when you give the child the lead, then it's a great way of communication. And also, it's a great way of the first step in making that parent and teenager relationship uh, really work. So mm -hmm. the first step is that. So that's yeah. how I would suggest. Absolutely. And I mean, teenagers, I have three of them. They don't like being told what to do. Uh, but who does? You know, I do I like being told what to do? Not always. It's all in how we ask them, how we open it, how we enter the conversation. And, you know, certainly as parents, I think we talk way too much and we don't listen enough. And we don't use, as you said, empathy. And when we can, when we can embody their experience and predict how we think they will feel, and actually say, you know, I know it's probably quite scary, the thought of going to speak to someone you don't know. I totally get it. It can be hard, but you know, it's, it's, it's something that it might be worth exploring. And as you say, you give them the out. If you don't like it, you can just hit the end of the conversation, especially if it's on Zoom. If it's in person, you can see the session through and you come out and say, I never want to see that person again. And they're not gonna help me. And then they're not gonna help you. But yeah, I think it's, I think your, your advice is spot on is, you know, giving them the lead and using empathy and finding that hook. So important to find the hook. You know, it could be anything. It could be Maserati cars, fishing, donuts, girls, boys, social media, <laughs> rap, 
you know, Snapchat, whatever it is. To Money Heist. Pardon? <laughs> Money Heist is a series they're all watching nowadays. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I haven't heard of that one. Um, so, yeah, no, that's, that's very good advice. And I know myself as well. I'm quite sure. Well, I think it would be really helpful for parents to hear what it is about the parents that the teenagers complain about. Because I'm quite sure they come to you and say, I hate my parents, they're so this, they want me to be a doctor, I don't want to be a doctor, it's always their way of the highway. They shout, they yell, they nag. What is it, would you say, in all the years you've worked with teenagers, what are you know three things we do that drive them crazy? Because I think if parents are really, I kind of know what I do that drives my kids crazy, but I think if parents can actually hear it, not from their kids, but from someone who works with teenagers, you know, what do they loathe most about what their parents do? Yeah, so first is advice. They just don't like getting advice. So don't give us every time without understanding us. So, so, so they clearly say that adults don't understand me. So that's one thing that comes most common. Yeah. And I, I always say to my, my, the clients I'm working with, it's absolutely key. I mean, it's a basic need of all man, men, women, and children is to be seen, to be heard, to be understood, to feel worthy, feel you belong and feel like you matter. So for them to actually, if we can convey that we under, understand them and that they, they actually understand or believe we understand them, it's key. So when you say that, it doesn't surprise me that they don't feel understood. Yeah, and that comes from an area also because there is the rapport creation is somewhere, you know, which, which, is, which is kind of missing. So when we say, I always, I always tell, I always share with parents that, you know, spend some exclusive time with them, maybe 30 to 60 minutes a day, whatever you plan. And that's the time when you're not talking about academics, when you're not talking about career in specific, but just about anything else in their life and ask them those questions. Instead of asking, how was school? You could ask, what was the best thing about school today? Which teacher was really irritating for you? You know, so make it, make it a conversation which is very specific because that's how they like to answer it because they are taking the lead again. So make that exclusive time where you're doing something together, maybe an activity, maybe just sitting together and having a conversation. This is a time when there are no digital devices there because we often talk about the teens being too much on the digital devices. We don't realize and when the parents are telling them to shut down their phone, a lot of times they are on the phone themselves. And does, so, that, does that bug the teenagers? Do they say it really pisses me off when my parents say, get off your phone and they're on their phone? Yeah, they say, they say it exactly the same way. They're like, you know, uh, that day mom was after my life that put down your phone and put down your phone and she was chatting with her friends at that point in time. So how can she say that to me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, and then, then they'd be like, you know, uh, you, are, uh, you are old world and you don't understand what's happening in lives today. And I am, uh, I am, a, I am a much better uh, son or daughter than the others in the, <laughs> so, so you should be thankful that I'm your child. 
<laughs> and you only continuously keep nagging me on things so uh, uh, especially uh, i think this was uh, Uh, this is this is very recent and this is a student of mine uh, he's 16 years old and his uh, so he has this thing of uh, so they've had you know it's been like that that the, that the parents were very very strict when he was younger very very strict with him because the father comes from like a military background and the the mother comes from a, a parent who was very very strict with her so so the only way they knew to deal with their child was being very strict so now the child has turned into a complete rebel okay now he's like i am not going to tolerate anything so what he does is he he used to keep his door locked for a very long time so like you know till the time i'm having my online recently when i'm having my online classes anything i if i want to sleep in between the classes i will sleep i will do what i want to do but i don't want your interference here so everything he you know even if the parents are trying to communicate now in a calmer way for him it's like nagging for him it takes that kind of a channel because for him it's like this is freedom for me and louis it's taken us that's why i say this especially during these last 9 months the kind of conversations i've had with families as a whole not only teenagers has been immense and they've been they've been like you know getting them on the same page now this is a particular family where everyone is fairly judgmental about each other it's not that only the the son is judgmental about the parents the father is judgmental about the mother the mother is judgmental about the father they, all of them when we were having a conversation together it when and i'm like you know there are three egos operating here i tell them very straight so we have to come on the same page when we're talking to each other mm-hmm. and you know but but the beautiful thing is when the realization sets in that oh okay each one of us are doing the same thing and then there is a big laugh it converts into you know you when you when that thing comes in that realization comes in then it's amazing so yeah so he he would constantly say that you are old world and uh, uh, you know some of the indian students also take an example they would also you know in their own little manipulative ways it doesn't happen like this in the other part of the world the the the, the children who are 16 are fairly you know independent and they can do their things and then i'm like yeah they can do their things but then they are also supporting themselves in a way you know so they're not completely dependent on their parents <laughs> so you know not they so they did try to use their own little manipulative ways to understand so nagging is one thing not being understood by parents uh, is, is is another thing uh yeah and some habits they often uh, you know comment upon like you know a, a funny thing so this uh, this mother she is really you know she's someone who hums a lot and she tries to sing all day when she's is that <laughs> <laughs> i know what you're going to say it tries to mop the wall <laughs> so it's not only the son the father is also <laughs> equally upset about it and they're like you know now that we are all day together so we have to hear it and she's she doesn't hum okay she's fairly loud <laughs> oh that's funny so do you recommend that the teenagers actually say tell their parents listen there's a couple of things that you do that really annoys me so do you do you do you suggest they do that to try and raise the parents awareness for what it must be like for the teenager yeah they must uh, but what happens here louis is especially this age 50 i mean you know it better than you also know it 15 to 17 years old 
when it comes out now when they try to tell the teenagers are also fairly aggressive in telling that yes okay? yes like, very well they know everything right they are they know it all and they are not shy about telling you yeah and it will come out really bad and that leads to sometimes more conflict yeah. than uh, because because even the parents ego comes into picture no so they are not able to handle that you know how come my son has said this to me you know i have brought him up and you know this uh, this so they also get very this thing about so okay. it's both ways so that's why rapport creation communication is what really matters mhm mhm yeah well it doesn't surprise me that those are the things that really do drive teenagers crazy about their parents and you know every teenager thinks that their parents are the strictest the worst no one else's parents are like you and you know it can be it can it can make us feel very isolated and it can make us feel quite down at times but we have to realize we're not alone they're all very similar and they are all saying very similar things about their parents whether they're in india america new zealand australia and france italy canada mexico it's kind of it's this ubiquitous thing with teens and their parents so when you're working with the families you know and when you are because you do work with the teens and help them you know quote unquote maximize their potential find their path i guess establish and who it is they really are and what they represent and you know all of that but when you're working with the families what do you recommend that the parents do more of to try and connect with their teen i mean you've mentioned already spending time with them uh finding the hook you know talking in detail about things you know i know parents complain about the fact my kid just gives me one word answers they just grunt yeah whatever no yeah. okay but then when we actually examine ourselves and look at the questions we're asking the questions are one word answers how was school good okay <laughs> how was the, how was the hockey practice sucked how is this no we have to become a bit smarter with how we interact with them so what what things do you recommend parents do you've already said that don't don't ask questions that are one word answers and focus on things that they enjoy, they they like that they want to talk about and give them the lead what other things do you recommend to parents to improve the conversation or communication with between them and their teens sure so one is of course what i shared before is building exclusive time with them on a regular basis mm-hmm. uh second is about unjudging yourself so or it's about reflection because there are so many impressions that are created over the day with the people we interact with there is a belief system that we've been brought up with so before we go and communicate with our teenager we have to clear our mind and then speak to them so we can if we enjoy our favorite music we want to practice mindfulness whatever it is that makes you peaceful then go and have a conversation with all your five senses active because you are competing with the action and engagement they used on the digital devices so give them that environment and i i know that, i mean recently especially during this uh, lockdown phase uh i've had i've had parents to make 
you know, dinner's very special. Make it like a special occasion on a few days because, because the children, the teenagers especially, they're also not going out and they were, they were feeling that, you know, uh, they, they get a little lonely at times. Mm -hmm. And so, and when they feel lonely, they, you know, they want some, uh, they, you know, they want to feel good about things. So small things like, you know, a family night, a movie night, uh, making a dinner very, very special. So those things really, really, really work in that case. And that time when you were having those things, again, conversations are very non-judgmental. You know, the parents are sharing their stories from their teenage, uh, they are sharing photo albums and talking about that. So making it very, very traditional, but making it really, really beautiful. So mm -hmm. unjudging yourself for sure, a lot of reflection, reflect upon your various areas of life, just like a teenager. There are so many areas in your life, identify where the gaps are, which are the areas you need to work on. How happy are you with your career? How happy are you with your social circle? How happy are you with your relationships? Mm -hmm. Because if that is worked upon, automatically your mind gets cleared and you can have a great conversation with your teenager. Mm -hmm. Uh, then it would be, yeah, sorry. What, what you said earlier just actually sparked something with me. And I know my, my teenagers love doing this. And I, you, might, you might say, no, I, absolutely. Is they love it when we share. And you said this, share your teenage stories with them. You know, show them the photographs, especially they laugh because, you know, they are actually photographs. They're hardcore photographs in an album with a sticky thing in front of it. You know, that's what we have. And so not only is it just so novel to them, and actually kids now are going back, they want the old fashioned camera, they want to go and get it developed. So they have these photographs, but sharing photographs, sharing experiences, sharing the naughty things you did when you were a kid. They love hearing that. And that's such an amazing way to connect with them. And it helps them understand us, that we're not just the prude, strict, rule-bearing parents, that we were teenagers, we had fun, we were naughty, we screwed up, we made mistakes, we failed exams, we got bust for doing various things that we shouldn't have been doing. And it immediately connects them with us because they see us as being no different to them at heart. Would you agree with that? I completely agree to that. And as far as it doesn't come out as, uh, because uh, if it's sharing of stories, it's great as we both shared. But sometimes, you know, parents have a tendency of putting a lessons attached to it. Oh. So the lessons for you are. Yeah, <laughs> and it just ruins it all. <laughs> they were like, we're not interested in that. <laughs> it's like saying, I'm really, I'm really sorry about what I did. But if you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done it. And it's like, well, why say sorry? It's like, so we share this amazing story and then try and turn it into a lecture. You are so right, Rajat. I know I do it too. And I'm like, damn it, why did I ruin that moment? Yeah, and they'll be like, so, you know, uh, when parents generally come to me, they're like, we have tried to, so especially procrastination was major in these times, you know, when children were too much into their comforts not only teenagers everybody was in too much into their comfort zone so they're like you know we have explained everything possible to him and him or her but they just don't want to listen and I'm like are you listening to them <laughs> instead of just doing one teach and tell teach and tell are you really communicating with them mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that comes into picture there. The other thing would be, uh, Louise, uh, I so often suggest is unjudging your teenager, which is yeah. about which is basically... what your book's all about. Yeah, <laughs> it's called Unjudge Your Teenager. Yeah. So uh, there, it's about uh, exercising empathy. Yes. So. Uh, you know, when we see it as a journey for a parent, it's a journey from awareness to acceptance to action. Becoming aware of what what you are doing right, what you can do even better. Uh, accepting certain things. So, for example, uh, this was with respect to screen time. If, for example, we say that that was one thing which has been a concern for a lot of uh, parents. So instead of just going and asking them to shut it down and it's not working for you, first acknowledge, like when we were, uh, you know, when as parents, we were kids, there were certain things we used to do that used to really make us, you know, playing hide and seek or playing various kinds of games, which used to make us feel really amazing, made, made us, you know, feel that thrill, made us feel that enjoyment, that challenge, that competition. There were those feelings there. Your teenager is feeling exactly the same things when he's on, on when he's playing those social games or whatever he's feeling. Irrespective, you know, be non-judgmental, it's right or wrong, but at least acknowledge the feelings that your child is going through at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And then have a conversation where you say that, okay, fine, wow. So, you know, this is how I also felt when I used to do this and how you're feeling about it. And then ask him or her, what do you think are the positives of it? What do you think are the negatives of it? Teenagers have all the wisdom. They know what is right, what is wrong, especially with respect to that. They know because a lot of teenagers have complained over the last few months that, you know, my day starts with Kindle and ends on my laptop and it's getting really hectic for me. So they know there is a certain challenge. They also find it. So having that conversation really helps. And then you ask them, what are the alternative ways in which you can do that? There is a, there is a student of mine. She has started singing again. She's, she was, she's, she's 14 and she loves singing. And, you know, she was, she got so much involved into the digital thing. And when we had that conversation with her, she realized that, yes, I can sing. And, you know, now she sings and she, she puts her videos on, uh, she's singing videos on Insta and stuff. So she's, you know, got into that thing of exploring her own interests. So having conversations which are non-judgmental, which are empathetic, where a child feels more accepted. So that is something which really comes into picture here. Then I would say it's about uh, appreciation and acknowledgement. So appreciating your child, uh, you know, it could be on a day-to-day basis. You know, you're wearing something really good uh, because they are very conscious about their uh, image. So I, I, so this, this, uh, uh, so this is both equally valid for pre-teens and teens also. So it works for both. And uh, so th- this is this 11-year-old. He's one of my youngest students. And he's, uh, he's really good at uh, baking. So he's learned baking. And, you know, he said, I want to have my venture into it. You know, he's, he's, very, he's a very, very interesting, interesting kid. And um, so f- it first starts from appreciating him for the things he's done. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's, he made a beautiful, so he knows that I like red velvet cupcakes. <laughs> so oh, the first cupcakes he made when he learned it was a red velvet cupcake. 
<laughs> so really sweet of him and you know then appreciating him for what he's done is great sometimes things really work sometimes they don't it's okay and then it's about how you can make it better so feedback comes into picture here how to give children feedback and how to take feedback from your children also comes into picture here which is not direct which is more like what is it that you did great what could you do better and if you had to give yourself an overall score what would it be so it comes from the child rather than coming from you so again works beautifully so appreciating genuine appreciation of things and finally this one came from a teenager <laughs> the last thing which i share about rapport creation is respecting the closed door policy <laughs> okay interesting so yeah so that, when um, they go when they close the door we need to just accept they need some space they've had enough and there be respectful of that is that what they mean by that yes give them their space they are also they're not necessarily hiding anything from you they've been through a day which has been they're also trying to process their feelings their emotions so give them that space if it happens for a prolonged time then of course give a knock say you're worried for them without sounding judgmental or anything like that and then uh take it forward so yes it's about giving them their space and allowing them to be in their own world yeah mm -hmm. wow so much um wisdom and so many tips and so much advice that you have shared with me and the the all the listeners on the show today so i'm super grateful i know that they're going to absolutely eat this one up they'll love it and if they don't i'd be like you should because it's going to help you with your teenager. Uh so Rajat, before we finish, I'd like you to tell the listeners where they can find you because you're based in India, but I know that your work is global. You work with kids all over the world. So just because you're in India doesn't mean you can't see someone in South Africa or Mexico or Canada, Italy, wherever. So where can the listeners find you? Yeah, so they can find me on my website. uh which goes by the same name it's www.rajatsoni.coach uh, otherwise there's my insta handle and uh, that would be a great way to connect linkedin and star facebook i'm i'm all over so yeah i do a lot of sessions globally uh virtually of course yeah yeah and i will put the all the links to your instagram your facebook and your website on in the show notes so If you're listening and you want to reach out to Rajat, I would advise you do. I think he can really help us all. And I certainly look forward to continuing my relationship with you and I'm so happy I stumbled upon you and that we have this connection and relationship now and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about what you're doing over the next few months over the years. Uh so let's do stay in touch and once again to all the listeners, thank you so much for listening. till next time bye bye so it's bye bye from me and thank you all the listeners and thank you louis for such an amazing amazing conversation and look forward to more yes me too thanks again and till next time everybody bye for now that's it for today's episode on the parenting in the thick of it show If you enjoyed the show, please do share it with your friends and family. And remember, if you find yourself stuck in the thick of it and can't see a way out of it, please send me an email. I would love to help you. 
My email is louise at yourparentingpartner.com and don't forget to take a look at the Parenting in the Thick of It family organizer that I created. It's an evergreen family calendar guaranteeing 12 months of use from whenever you start. It also includes beautifully illustrated, informative and interactive monthly parenting theme pages to guide you through the year. It's the perfect organiser for busy families to keep track of all their activities, plus help parents be the best parent they can be. It's more than just a calendar. You can find the link for this and the other social media platforms that I am on below the description in this episode. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to being with you all soon. Bye for now.